Shalom, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the Mormon Kabbalah Podcast. We are on chapter six of the Book of Remembrance. Now, if you have been following so far, you know that this is another revelation that I received on January 12th. And again, when I had received the information that was in chapter five, there's a bit of explanation in there towards the end, but I still was very confused. I didn't really understand. I'm writing down what the Lord's giving me, but I, I didn't really know what I'm supposed to do with it. So then in chapter six, the Lord has spoken to me again. And, you know, I, I paused the revelation. I'd done some things I needed to do at the office. And then I had that feeling that the Lord needed to speak to me. And it was a little bit of a frustrating time in my life. And so I was very, very humbled by what came next at the beginning of this revelation. In this revelation, the Lord began by saying, Verily, thus saith the Lord, unto they whom I love. And that really meant quite a bit to me because obviously it's not just speaking to me. So I know that this is revelation that I'll be sharing with other people. It was one that I would need to put down on the website. But because it was coming through me, I really felt that love of God. And it's important that we take the time to feel the love that the Lord has, because how can we share God's love with others if we're not feeling it ourselves? And this meant a lot to me because, like I said, this was a time when I had transitioned the one part of the the job I was employed at, basically torn it down. It didn't exist anymore at this point. I had to let something that I had worked for eight years on go at the height of its success. That was not easy, but the Lord had something greater for me to do. And he's letting me know, not just that I'm loved, but that everyone that's reading this, that's reading this revelation is loved. And he continues in verse two, behold, thou shalt see that I also chasten mankind, that their sins may be forgiven. For with the chastisement, I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things out of temptation. Wherefore, all mankind must need be chastened and stand rebuked before my face, for even Adam and Eve did such. For all have sinned against me and fallen short of my glory, and short of the glory of my Father, even the very Father of heaven. Therefore, I teach ye these things in preparation to prune my vineyard for the last time, that I may pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So there's a couple things here. It's a long sentence. The first thing is he's likening us to Adam and Eve. In Kabbalah, we've talked about this. Adam represents the desire to bestow, and Eve, the feminine, represents the will to receive. Even though these are chosen people of the Lord, just as we in in the ministry have been chosen by the Lord, they weren't perfect. They made mistakes. For all have sinned against me and fallen short of my glory and the glory of the Father. But God chastens us. He lets us know, hey, you've missed the mark. It's not a condemnation. It's not a, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. You'll be damned. 
it's not the hellfire and brimstone. It's that gentle reminder that we're still loved. And that's why I think reading this backwards, verse one here is so important. Reading it backwards, it says, I teach ye these things. Ye, remember, ye is plural you, all of you, whereas thee is a singular. I teach ye these things in preparation to prune my vineyard. Who's going to prune the vineyard? We are the ministers of Jesus Christ. All have sinned against me and fallen short of my glory. But that's okay. We're going to be chastened. Why? Because this is what the Lord is saying unto they whom I love. They whom God loves. We are they whom God loves. Those that the Lord has called us to minister to are they who God loves. We need to remember that just as the people that we're talking to in our ministry and that we're trying to help grow closer to Christ aren't perfect, we aren't perfect. We have no right to judge them. We love them just as God loves us. Then in verse 6, it says, Behold, verily I say unto you, that there are many who have been ordained among you before they were in the flesh, whom I have called, but few are chosen. Now, that's a very familiar scripture. It's in the Bible. It's in the Doctrine and Covenants. So that shouldn't be too unfamiliar. But this is a reminder that we were called before we came here. Some people call that predestination. But the reality is that many are called and few are chosen. So there's no guarantee that everyone that's called to be a minister will be. We still have our free agency. And so because of that, in a sense, we are replaceable. And I don't mean to say that as a threat or to make you feel bad about yourself, but please understand that the Lord can either use us as a scalpel or a blunt instrument. So let's do our best to stay on that path of Teshuvah that we talked about in chapter three and move forward in Christ so that we can be the few that are chosen. And how will we be chosen? Well, in verse 7, it says, For behold, they must hear my call and heed it also. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to since I started my ministry who have said, I hear God calling me. I know I have a ministry. But they just won't do it. They won't accept it. They won't take on the responsibility that the Lord has asked them to take upon themselves. And that is the name of Jesus Christ in a special way. So we can't just know that we're called. We have to actually do our duty as those that are called by God, whatever it is our ministry is. Now, on the School of the Prophets website, which is opulum.org, O-P-U-L-U-M.org, that's short for open curriculum. We have a Priesthood 101 class. It's free. You can take it with a group of people or you can take the class independently. But a lot of the things that we're talking through in this are things that you'll work through in that nine-week class. It will help you by offering the guidance that you need to identify your ministry and walk through the path of Teshuvah that we went over when we talked about chapter three. So you're not alone. When you hear that call, don't think that it's just you and God against the world. We are working hard to put together the resources and tools that you need to succeed in your ministry. So please do not hesitate to reach out and ask for help because that's what we do as saints. That's what we do as Israel.
my ministry is to help you in your ministry. So back to verse 7 here in chapter 6. For behold, they must hear my call and heed it also. For my paths are straight, and they are known unto me. Yet these must know me and hearken unto my voice to hearken unto my call. It kind of reminds me quite a bit of James when he says, I will show you my faith by my works. Anybody can walk around and say, I'm a minister, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet. But what are we doing with that? Saying it is irrelevant. I can say I'm president of the United States. That obviously isn't true. And you can tell because I wasn't elected. I'm not in the Oval Office. I'm not doing any presidential things that would make it seem that I am the president of the United States. It's the same thing in the ministry. We can say that we are whatever calling we feel the Lord has for us. But at the end of the day, if we aren't doing the works that we've been called to do, then we obviously have not accepted and are not heeding that call. So I ask you at this time, we've gone through the first five chapters and it took quite a while to go through chapter three. Are you doing the Teshuvah meditations? Are you building your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you getting closer to the Holy Spirit? Because if you're not, then you may be hearing the call, but you're not heeding it. And I'm not telling you that to judge you. I'm telling you that because I want you to ask yourself honestly and answer the question honestly so that you can move forward in Christ to be the best minister that the Lord has called you to be. You don't need a mega church. You don't need anything more than whatever the Lord has for you. So don't feel like you're not doing enough if you don't have a congregation. You, you know you're called to the priesthood, but it seems like all you ever do is give people blessings when they're sick. Or you can't afford to help feed people who don't have any food, but you're able to get that information to somebody else that can. There is no such thing as a small ministry. So whatever it is the Lord has called you to do, just do that thing to the best of your ability, and God will make up the difference. And God will carry your ministry the rest of the way. And when he's ready for you to do more, he will tell you to do more. If you feel guilt about anything in your ministry, but you're doing everything that you know you're supposed to do, that's not God. That's the adversary. Push that to the side. Listen to God. That's the first part. Hear. The second part is to do. Heed. That's what you got to worry about. Nothing else. So in verse 9, the revelation continues and says, Behold, I speak these things unto thee, that thou might learn wisdom, and that they who read shall also gain wisdom. For as in every man is the story of Adam, and in every woman the story of Eve, so too may every man and woman be saved through my atonement, as are Adam and Eve, and stand on the right hand of the Father with me. And behold, even as they, thou might inherit all that the Father hath. So again, this goes back to Adam and Eve representing us. This can represent us as men and women in the ministry, men as Adam and women as Eve, but it also represents that part of us, the two righteous desires here, the desire to bestow inside of us and the will to receive inside of us. That is the story of Adam and Eve in us. 
And as we go through the book of remembrance, we'll see the spiritual growth that they've had. And we can identify that as a spiritual growth inside of ourselves. We all grow in the ministry. We all start off prideful, trying to take on more than we can chew, eating the fruit of that tree before we're ready, so to speak. But like Adam and Eve, we're repentant. We move forward in faith. We move forward in Christ. And so because of that, we can stand on the right hand of Jesus before the Father and inherit all the things that the Lord has for us. Then in verse 13 comes the warning. But behold, those that keep not their second estate shall be like unto those that kept not their first. And they shall share the fate of Lilith and Cain, for they are cast out into eternal darkness. Now, I, I personally don't like the fact that there has to be the blessing and the curse here, but it is the reality of the situation. If we do not heed the call, hear and heed, then we give in to our egoism. And what did I say about giving in to our egoism? At that point, Eve gets cast out instead of Lilith. And eventually, Lilith casts out Adam, and it's Cain and Lilith running the show. And at that point, we become perdition. Now, I am of the opinion that we become that which we've always been. That's not to say that God will transform us into something evil, but rather we transform ourselves into our true selves by either accepting Christ and allowing his grace to perfect us or by rejecting Christ and being perdition. And the reality is that if we take our ministries and we use them to stroke our own egos, I'm not saying that's the end of the world for you, but we need to turn that around. We're missing the mark. That's what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. I want to take a moment and discuss sin for a second. In Romans, Paul said, By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and all come short of the glory of God. Obviously, that last line there is very familiar. We just read something very similar or the same thing here in the book of Remembrance. So I want to ask the question here, and we're going to discuss this a little bit. What is sin? What does it mean to sin? And once we know, how do we avoid it? I mentioned the hellfire and brimstone a minute ago. Sin is generally defined as an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. And that's a, a modern English definition. But let's look at the actual Hebrew word translated to sin in the Old Testament. That word, and forgive my pronunciation here, I'm probably going to butcher this, is cha'ata'ah. Cha'ata'ah comes from the root word het, so it might be cha'ata'ah, which means miss the mark or to miss the mark to the ancient israelites this meant neglecting your obligation whether it be to a person or to god this is a feminine noun so that means it's going to describe or represent our will to receive when we sin we're taking into ourselves a desire that is off the path of god god says don't eat the tree and we do anyway so in that sense, we become the biblical Eve, that Eve inside of us is reaching for that forbidden fruit. Keep in mind that the sin isn't eating the fruit itself, but disregarding what God had instructed. She misses the mark by partaking 
of the fruit of the tree before it was time. She didn't wait for God's time to do it. She just took what she wanted for herself. So understanding this word, we gain a new perspective of sin. It's not a blemish. It's just human error. It's us seeking our own desires rather than seeking what God desires for us. And again, we've talked about this. The remedy is simple, and that's the path of Teshuvah. Sin can be corrected simply by strengthening our relationship with God and focusing on his altruism rather than our own greed, pride, and ego. Seeking God is what makes us Israelites, is what makes us Israel. Israel means straight to God. Teshuva, that return, as we're returning to God, obviously we are on that path to God, so therefore we are Israel. We seek forgiveness and improve our behavior as we move forward in Christ. He's the potter and we are the clay. And that said, God does not want us wallowing in self-pity, whether you're talking about you as the minister or as those that we are ministering to. God knew this, and that's why Jesus' role was a part of the plan from the very beginning. Through Teshiva, we return to God in Christ and grow in grace through Christ. It's Christ's grace that we're growing in. And we do this by coming to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, there's these warnings in the scriptures like the one I just read, but we can't allow Satan to use these warnings against us. Satan likes to make this seem far more complex than it is. He wants us to feel as though everything is hopeless and there's just no way out. We're never going to be good enough. There really isn't anything more we can do. No work is going to save us. Rather than giving in to self-pity, we just need to walk that path of Teshuvah, accept God's correction, accept Christ's grace, and then we can move forward to the joy and happiness that God has for us. And that joy and happiness is beyond comprehension. So we need to be aware of the fact that we can fall. We're not just, you know, once saved, always saved, but we are perfected in Christ. We still have our free agency. We can still do bad things. We can stop growing in grace and start backsliding. But don't get hung up on that. Just let it go. Whatever it is that God tells you to stop doing and to correct yourself on, realign in Teshiva. That's what that meditation is for. And be on that straight path to God. And then together we will be Israel. Together we will be Zion. So in verse 15, it says, Therefore, learn wisdom in these things and know that ye must practice virtue and holiness before me continually. And behold, I shall tell thee more in my time and in my wisdom. Here a little, there a little. But for now, it is enough. Watch, therefore, that ye may be ready. Even so, amen. So very short chapter here, only 17 verses. But this is a very clarifying chapter for me. From my perspective, I'm getting these revelations. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what the point of them is, but this identifies it. This let me know that God had a reason for giving me this revelation, and that it wasn't just for myself. It's for you. It's for everyone that has been called to Christ, particularly in the Latter-day Saint movement, called to the ministry. And this series of revelation was given so that we can learn wisdom so that we can practice virtue and holiness before God continually. 
Now, I, I did find it interesting in verse 16, the Lord says, Behold, I shall tell thee more in my time and in my wisdom. Here a little, there a little. And yet, if I remember correctly, I received all of the rest of the revelations in three or four days in that same month. But it, it didn't end there. The revelations didn't end there. The book of remembrance ended there, but the revelations did not. And that is important because God isn't just going to talk to you and then one day say, okay, we're done. He's going to continue giving you revelations. Write them down. I've had, I guess you could call them dry spells with the Lord. I guess things were going, they're going the way they were supposed to, or they, or I wasn't paying attention, but there's a time where I'd have a lapse where I wouldn't have any revelations for a while. And then all of a sudden I get a bunch of them. I received a number of revelations again in January of 2021, not to the same extent as I did in 2016 here with the book of Remembrance, but a lot of really good pertinent information dealing with the ministry that I've been called to. What revelation does God have for you? What revelation has God given you? What revelation will he give you? These are questions that you need to ask as a minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Even as a disciple, these are questions that you should ask. Because the new covenant of the Book of Mormon isn't a physical book. Remember, the Book of Mormon came to us through the spirit of prophecy and revelation. We know that it is true and it is the word of God to the spirit of prophecy and revelation. Therefore, your ministry must use the spirit of prophecy and revelation to move forward. And as long as you have that connection with God, the revelations will never stop. I hope this series is helping you and focusing and learning more about your ministry. If you have any thoughts or questions, even if I've gone through, by the time you're listening to this, all of the Book of Remembrance, please don't hesitate to reach out and shoot me an email. D. Fairman, D like David, F like Frank, E-R-R-I-M-A-N, at cjccf.org. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. And if it's a really good question, I'll even address it on the podcast. But for now, I just want to thank you for being here with me today and listening. And until next week, shalom and God bless.